2: Restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the All-Star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear.
3: If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This,
2: this? is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Coming up in this edition, we're going to be looking at all the different people we talk to at FanFest. This is going to be actually an A's unfiltered, really, with Vince Catronio, one of our broadcasters, as he was stepping in for me on A's Cast Live as I was doing a lot of the interviews on the stage. So you're going to hear from the skipper, Bob Melvin. You're going to hear from the closer, Liam Hendricks, the big left-hander, A.J. Puck, and then my interview with Martin Gallegos from MLB.com. But let's start it out with the skipper, Bob Melvin, with Vinny. The A's. Manager Bob Melvin off of back-to-back 97-win seasons and Fan
4: Fest is always a great kickoff. You get a chance to interact with the fans. They love seeing you, love seeing all the, all your players and your coaches. What does this day mean for you in terms of looking at the calendar hey, things are getting closer?
3: Now, it's really the start. You know, we we leave here and what is it, 2 weeks we're going to be on the field. So, uh, this is kind of the culmination of the off-season and we get to spend a day with our fans and see a lot of green out there and and get you that much more revved up for uh, spring training to start
4: I want to get into this and get out of it because it's been an upset about what happened with the Astros and you were public about this yesterday regarding Mike Fires and, and saying things a lot of clubs have talked about your club was one of those that also had to use multiple sides with nobody on base which was sign kind of a kind of a red flag that things may have been more challenging there than other places your thoughts about Mike and how this moves forward and how baseball can begin the process of taking the next step
3: yeah, you know what? It takes a lot of courage to do something like that. And, and there's some backlash and talk about why didn't you go to the league. And, well, you know what? Teams did go to the league. It was going to take something like this uh, to, to address the situation and get it out in the open. And um, so in that respect, you know, it took a lot of courage, and baseball is going to be a better game because of it. it, it there was no place for this. You know, there's things that go on the clubhouse, stand the clubhouse. This just was affecting the game too much. So this is a whole different scenario for me, and, you know, a line is crossed. Um, you know, there's just too much. Knowing what's coming, every pitch, that, that's, you know, it's almost like fixing a game to an extent. So something had to happen. He spoke up, and, you know, we're, the game will be better for it.
4: You have uh, a team that has won 97 games back-to-back seasons, and A's fans are – they look at each offseason as a different organic process on what's going to happen, what's going to be the collection of players going to spring training. Mostly quiet, but in some regards, you have a club that's a lot coming back that's great to think about. What are your thoughts about as you bring these players together down to Mesa shortly?
3: Yeah, it's a good quiet. It means that we're, like you said, we're, we're keeping the guys that we have, and sometimes that can be difficult to do here. But David and Billy are pretty good about identifying a window and, and the most exciting thing is that we have a lot of our best top pitching prospects that we you know we've been waiting to get to the big leagues that are here now, along with, you know, our best position player guys that are, are you know, settled in a little bit and, and accomplishing some things. So you go 97-97, we come into to spring training this year wanting to accomplish more. I don't know that the number of games will be that much more important. You have to get to 105 or whatever. I think our division's going to be that much better. But I feel like we're going to have a better team, and I think uh, we can accomplish more this year.
4: What did it mean to you to see all the accolades that your shortstop Marcus Simeon achieved at the end of 2019?
3: I, I thought it was great. I, I thought he was slighted actually a little bit, you know, maybe silver bat. Um, And, you know, he came in third in the MVP. You understand, you look at war, you look at all those things, but I really don't think there was a a player that was more important to his team than Marcus Simeas was. So, for me, he was an MVP. It sounded like our fans thought that too a few minutes ago.
4: All the players you've had, all the players you've managed over the years, when his name comes up in conversation for you, thinking about those kind of relationships, what comes to mind for Bob Melvin?
3: There's just so much. I mean, you know, he's local. You know, he grew up here. He went to Cal. He's an Oakland A. He takes pride in being an Oakland A. He plays every single game, which makes it a lot easier for me, uh, in, you know, in the clubhouse with the players and in getting guys to work and getting guys to want to play. Uh, where he came from when he was first here, the first year he had, and where he is right now is just an amazing accomplishment. And it takes an individual like him who's who's very confident in what he does. He identifies what he needs to do to get better every year, and there's going to be a couple things he comes to spring training this year that he, he's looking to get better with, and, and there's just it's very unique to have a guy like that, that, that's that solid of a guy, and it plays very well here in the Bay Area as well.
4: You touched on the young pitching. It's Jesus Lozado and A.J. Puck who came up and performed for you down the stretch in September, the kind of experience that you just you, you can't duplicate anywhere else. A lot of people are going to be wondering what's your plan for those two from the beginning of the season? Managing innings, managing starts. How do you look at that as we sit here today in late in late January?
3: Yeah, you know, it's it's. Well, at some point in time, we might have to get creative with them. We don't want to run through a ton of innings, you know, in first two thirds of the season, and then have you know have to do something different. Um, so you, you may, may see at times maybe, you know, we skip a start, pitch them out of the bullpen one time or something like that. But the fact that they they did it last year and was successful doing it in a role that they've never had to do before shows you a little something about them. Plus, you know, we're in a pennant race. So, you know, they didn't get a full year in, but I think the experience they got in a short period of time kind of equals a, a full year. And, and, you know, now the reins are off and they come out and do their thing. And let's not forget Frankie Montas, too, and how much how much he's going to mean to this team, too, too. Uh, you know He was basically an all-star, uh, and, and then we lost him for a while. So our rotation looks as good as it ever has.
4: Your club will go into the season, at least in my estimation, and many others that have more experience of this than I do, looking at your defense that's as good as any in the league. And it starts with the corner guys, Matt and Matt. Both one gold gloves, another guy one, Chapman one, another platinum glove. What is that like to have that there? And also from a pitching perspective, knowing ball put in play, Play is made, and that just relaxes a pitching staff.
3: Yeah, defense never takes a day off. Sometimes you're not going to swing the bat well, and if you have that type of defense every day, the pitchers go out there with the confidence to throw it over the plate and let them put it in play. Um, in past years here, we really haven't probably put as much emphasis on defense, and, and now you look at what, what we can accomplish because of that. So. Like I said, offensively you're going to go into slumps at times, but defensively we're, we're not going to give runs away, and, and everybody's going to feel confident about the team we run out there, and, and uh, you know, we can win in different ways.
4: Wide open at second base, so we've got a lot of names that are going to get opportunities to get some reps at that position.
3: Yeah, I think there are, there, it's healthy to have some positions where you're going to have some competition, but, you know, we brought Tony Kemp in here late. He has played second base, and I, we probably look at, you know, uh, a lot of second base reps for him against right-handed pitching. Uh, and then obviously we have Beretto and we have Mateo, we have Noisy, Chad Pinder can play over there too. So uh, that, that's probably a position that w- will take some time during spring training to figure out.
4: you got a great name, VML Machine, is going to get some opportunities as a Rule 5 kid from the Cubs through a trade on that day from the Phillies. What do you know about this kid right now?
3: Machine it, it kind of plays for what is what they say his bat's like. He said it's a very advanced bat. Um, you know he strikes out very seldomly. He walks a lot. He puts the ball in plays. His you know his, his exit velocities and his barrel rate are really high. So you know especially with the twenty sixth man this year, you know in this versatility we can move him around. And I think it was a great pickup for us.
4: So as we say goodbye to Bob Melvin and we thank him for spending some time with us on Acecast. As you hit the ground, you get to to spring training in Mesa and you talk with the coach staff and you assemble the players. One final thought is, what what is your message to them on day one as you look toward 2020?
3: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm still kind of thinking about that a little bit. It's a group that really doesn't need a message. It's a very driven group. So I think it's just accentuate what we've accomplished the last couple years and expect more. And I think that's already the sentiment of the guys.
4: Baseball is so fortunate, especially here in the Bay Area, to have Bob Melvin at the helm as the skipper of the athletics. Bob, thanks for the time. I'll see you in spring training. Thank you, guys.
2: Well, always great to have Bob at FanFest. We have him every single year. And then the All Star, Liam Hendricks, sits down with Vince Catronio.
4: All Star right hand reliever, Liam Hendricks. Son has finally come out. Liam has been a, a fan favorite for all the right reasons performance on the field and work off the field. And before we get to the great year of 2019, I mean, what has happened to your homeland? Family and friends, how are they through the bushfires? What, what is. I can't even imagine what the impact has been like in Australia, with what the devastation and what has happened in your home country.
1: Yeah, we're, um, where where we're located in Perth, we're uh, we've been lucky in the fact that it hasn't been as drastic as some of the other places. We've uh, we've had the fires, we've had some devastating losses and everything, but we've been blessed in the fact that we haven't been too far too far like uh, clo- we haven't been close enough to the, some of the fires to really affect my family. But in Perth and West Australia, we've still had uh, we've still had enough that have caused a lot of damage and it's going to take years to uh to, to kind of regroup and get back to where we were but yeah my we're trying as much as we can with uh with helping out new south wales and south australia and victoria and everything like that so we uh we set up a thing on with red cross australia to kind of if anyone wants to go down go donate it's on my it's on my social media on my instagram and then it's also on just red cross red cross australia you can go down there and donate and they're taking care of a lot of the people with uh just rehoming them or helping them with their losses, and 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 helping the firefighters, which is a big thing for me.
4: Thoughts and prayers aren't nearly enough, but we wish uh, your homeland nothing but the best. And hopefully, that recovery is something that can that can happen sooner as opposed to later. So, Fan Fest, uh, sun finally came out. You coming off of back-to-back 97-1 seasons with a ball club that seems to be one that should be contending in 2020. What what's the anticipation like for someone that's been through? Some of the good times, you know, some of the not so good times, and now seeing, you know, the fruit of some labors, maybe a, a a good stretch of good good baseball. Yeah, I'm
1: just happy to be a, like involved in all 97 wins last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, the year before we had 97 wins, but I was only around for maybe 60 of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, yeah, last year was last year was a lot of fun. We had uh, we had a good group of guys, and uh, the good thing is a lot of the core guys came back. We're not missing too many of the uh, the integral pieces. We're able to kind of bring back Diekman, which is a good uh, which is a good addition for us with left being lefty and. Uh, in the pen, but yeah, we've got a, we've got some guys. We've got some young guys that are going to come up and do some special things like they did last year. We'll be, uh, we'll be just all right. But uh, just going out there, I think the biggest thing for us is the first couple months. We, um, the last couple of years, we've kind of stumbled out of the gates a little bit. If we come out and show the teams that we're, we're serious from the get-go, I think that can change everything.
4: How did it happen last year? I mean, you look back on it, a 180 ERA. You really saved the bullpen at a time when there were some inconsistencies, and you were able to lock it down rewarded by going to the all-star game and helping the club get to the wild card play-in game. But now as you take a step back and get a chance to review the year, how you stepped into the role, handled the role, didn't let the role affect you and and certainly was an integral part of the A success. How did it all as you look back on it? How did it come together?
1: I mean, it all started when I got DFA the year before. It all started with me going down there, needing a mental change and going back to the fact of I need to do what I need to do. Like I need to do what I found what I've been successful by doing, not telling me what like each organization is telling me what to do with throwing programs and weightlifting and all this sort of stuff i need to go back what made me successful and that's what i went back to i went to throwing a lot i went to not doing as much in the gym and a lot more like just uh kind of body weight stuff and and yeah we move on from that and all of a sudden my velo started kicking up i started getting a little bit more life to my fastball and it transferred over and then all offseason, i took the last two off seasons, i've taken two weeks off kind of got out there got back on the mound really early i threw a live bp on wednesday before i came out here so it's just uh yeah, just trying to stay in that same program of, of keeping everything going and hopefully it, it translates over again this year.
4: There's one thing to look in your peers' eyes in your own clubhouse, Chapman, Olson, Fires, Mania, whatever the case might be, and earning their understanding and their respect of your importance to the ball club and the success that you all are trying to come together. But when you go to the All-Star game and you got Francisco Lindor and you got Mookie Betts and you got Mike Trout and you have a bunch of them, Justin Verlander Garrett Cole. What was that like for Liam Hendricks to, s- to see that group of people, uh, another group of peers and uh, a group that you were deservedly a part of?
1: It was a surreal experience, but for me it was it was eye-opening in the fact of, like I pitched, there's, there's certain intricacies there when you're on your mound that, uh, you're like, okay, I'm just going to change the finger pressure on this pitch, or I'll, I'll just change something like this, something like that, something like this. I mean, I just didn't ever think about it being with hitters, and they did the same thing. They were talking about, like, oh, yeah, what do you prefer, four-seam or two-seam? Like, yeah, yeah. And all like just the stuff like this. Well, the last seven or eight at bats I've had against Mike Trout, I've thrown him one breaking ball, and I was like, sooner or later he's gonna figure it out. Yeah. I mean, he already knew that. I mean, talking to him, he he knew that already. It was just one of the things that he had already done. But yeah, it was uh, it was a really cool experience just being able to pick guys' brains like that. The guys that have been around for years, like the Verlanders and the rollers Chapmans and stuff like that. They're just guys they've been around forever. You're able to pick and choose and. And figure out what they've done to be successful. And you can kind of integrate it into your own your own way of pitching, way of doing things, way of thinking things. Was there one top takeaway
4: from that all-star experience for Liam Hendricks?
1: Um, they were a lot more scared of me than I was of them, I think. Uh, <laughs> I went in there and I was like, you, "You first, the first all-star game you make, you're always kind of going in there thinking like, well, sh- like, am I supposed to be here? And then there's a lot of other guys thinking like, well, how have you not been here? or, like, D- I don't want to face you again. Like, it's stuff like that. It was, that was, um, it was quite a cool experience just to hear that from certain guys who are perennial all-stars hearing that they don't want to face me, which is, uh, which is really good for my confidence, which is a huge thing in any sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, for me it's just it – was, it was a cool experience facing them. But, yeah, facing them often, knowing them is always a little bit harder because you just feel like they know you.
4: You mentioned Jake Diekman, but Blake Trinan is a Dodger now. Lou Trevino's trying to bounce back. T.J. McFarlane, the left-hander, is new in the bullpen. Veterans, Yusmano Petit, Joaquim Sori are back as well. What are your thoughts about A's bullpen 2020?
1: I think we're going to have a good bullpen. I think we've. Um, you, you, if you see Deakman's numbers last year, it doesn't do him justice. He was a lot better pitcher than his numbers uh, numbers said. Um, he was phenomenal. I mean, you get a lefty throw on high 90s, so it's, it's, it's usually hard to square up pretty good. But you know, obviously losing Blake is a, is a pretty big downgrade, even regardless of how he didn't have the best year last year. He was still an integral part of that bullpen, and he still had – a really good first two months of the season. Um, I spoke to him when he got when he went over to the Dodgers. He's excited for that new opportunity and, and hopefully he can figure some things out over there and and, and uh, treat them right. But yeah, we've got a we've got a good bullpen. And I think uh, I think I'm going to, have to change throwing partners soon because I think Saria now is going to be with uh, with Petit, which is unfortunate for the bullpen catchers because their shoulders are going to be sore because I long toss every single day. Mm-hmm. So. But no, we, we're excited for the group out there. I've uh, got a chance to talk to TJ a couple times. I played with him in spring training with the Orioles in 2014, so it's we've known each other for a little bit. But it's just an exciting time for the bullpen, and it's exciting to see um, what comes of it, and especially with the rotation of who's going to be in that rotation. Maybe there's a couple guys that maybe move back into the into the bullpen, but it's uh, it's going to be an exciting time.
4: Bob Melvin sat in this chair earlier today in Fan Fest, and I asked him, "What will be your message?" day one of spring training when everybody is together looking toward 2020 what you're trying to accomplish and he said I'm I'm, there may not necessarily be a message I'm you know everybody's come back I may not I don't know if I necessarily need something but internally from the group inside that's 197 games back-to-back years you've gotten in but it's been one and done and everybody everybody knows there's more available to you what do you think is uh the conversation inside the clubhouse about how we handle expectations in 2020
1: uh nothing's proven nothing it, like last year yeah it was great we won 97 the year before it was great we won 97 but that doesn't do anything for this year stop we need to not not rest on the laurels that we have last year it's like uh for me every time they say all-star or anything like that i want to be no it's a former all-star because that year's done and we're moving forward now i don't want to be gifted a, a, a role of being the closer i, wanna, I don't want to be gifted anything i want to be able to work for it i want to be able to make sure that i prove to everybody that i deserve this role again and i think that's the case for everybody in the team like we had a lot of guys who had some really, really, really good years last year. Marcus and, and Chappie and Laureano and Olson and KD had a bit of a down year, but we're expecting him to be straight back to where he was because he's done it for so long. We've got a bunch of guys out there. my Mark Canner had a phenomenal year. We've got a bunch of guys out there that had really, really good years last year, and they're going to try and improve on that. But at the end of the day, that doesn't do anything for this year. Our biggest goal now is to move forward and, kind of last year was last year we're going to go out there and win 100 this year
4: you endured you endeared yourself to this community in such a way with the things that you have done with your wife off the field in a variety of areas and you have made an impact in so many different ways whether it's bullying or taking care of uh, you know animals and things of that nature how did that grow for you how did you begin to understand what it what it gave back to Liam Hendricks, let alone what you've been able to give to the community with the things and the outreach that you were provided.
1: I mean, I just got lucky in the fact of uh, both my wife and I are very passionate about similar things. So both very passionate about um, the animal rescues that we deal with, and we're always very passionate. We've also dealt with the, the cyberbullying and the bullying in the past. So that's uh, something that when we got to a point where, like my, last year was my first year on social media. And it was very, very good for us, but it was also very, very bad for us in a sense because of the fact that we, we had a lot of messages and hate and stuff like that. So we just, when we feel passionate about something, we go into it and we don't dilly dad or we don't like skirt the edges or anything like that. We dive head first and we want to make a difference. My biggest thing is I don't want to be known as a player who is a, is a, is a great player or anything, regardless of how I am on the field, a great player, but a terrible person. I prefer to be a terrible player and a great person. I mean, that means more to me than anything else. I want to leave this game thinking that I, I had an opportunity to change people's lives and I took it for the took it for what it's worth.
4: You are very supportive of your teammate Mike Fires. He certainly has been the story of this offseason with the comments of the athletic regarding the Astros and what has happened since then. How important is it? And I know Mike probably knows this, but maybe hearing it publicly again from a teammate, how important is it for him to realize that? He has so much support inside his clubhouse and inside the A's community.
1: Uh, I mean, the decision he made to make this this comment was a very, very courageous one. I don't think I there's there's a lot of people that would not have had the courage to do it. There's a lot of people that would not have anything. They would not want to put their name on it until maybe they're even out of the game. Even then, but he decided to take a stand and he saved a lot of people's careers this way. So I want to know, make sure that like everybody in that clubhouse, if they're not on board with what Mike Mike did they can get out this is this is the way the game is we're trying to clean up the game mike is doing an exemplary example of that and at the end of the day it needed a face value there's been organizations that have complained about this there has been everything that's come out but as soon as you put a name on it with a player that's come out all of a sudden there's an mlb investigation into it and they came out with with some stuff so um regardless of what whatever happened to transpired over there i'm hats off to mike it's uh it's a it was a very brave decision and and I think it's uh, he's going to be rewarded in the in the near future just for the the bravery he took to stand up to this.
4: On A's Cast, A's All-Star reliever Liam Hendricks has joined us. Liam, look forward to seeing out in uh, down in Mason uh, in the coming days, and look forward to an outstanding year. Thanks for the visit and again. Uh, a lot of hope and a lot of prayers for the for the folks in your homeland in
1: Australia. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. I appreciate it.
2: Liam, as we say it, as we say it all the time, he is the best guy, the very best guy. Love him to death, and. You know, speaking of left-handers, and, and and one of the past days unfiltered, we had Jesus Lazardo, The other big left-hander for this team, AJ Puck, gonna play a big part in the 2020 season. Here is the big lefty with Vinny, the tallest guy that'll be in camp with the Athletics. Made
4: his big league debut for the club against the Yankees in late August. It's a big left-hander. A. Jay Puck, how's the day been like for you?
5: Uh, Yeah, it's been great, you know, just uh, interacting with the fans and just uh, having them show us some love, you know, and we appreciate all their support. You are somebody that
4: came to camp a couple of years ago and you didn't say boo, and it's not that you're up there on a stump speaking a lot, (laughs) but we've really kind of put you to the test, and you've you've handled this pretty well. I mean, I know this is maybe not the most comfortable thing you enjoy doing but i mean you've had some fun with it,
5: haven't you uh yeah you know it's not bad you know the more you know the more I'm around the you know same people the more i get comfortable so it opens up a little more what does wh- what will this spring training be like
4: for you in comparison to making a splash 2 years ago fighting through injury last year and and feeling like there's a very good chance that you can You've got a chance to do something uh, from the beginning.
5: Uh, yeah, you know, I think this year just uh, I just want to get back into the starting routine. You know, if uh, if I'm going to start, uh, just really get back into that five-day routine, just find what works for me again because, you know, the past uh, year and a half, I've basically been thinking about coming off the pen from uh, from Tommy John and just get back into the Stars routine and just get that going. Relive the Yankee game, your major league debut and all that went into it, what,
4: what was happening around you and just – Getting uh, getting that baseball in a
5: non-leverage situation, <laughs> right, Bob? Uh, yeah. Well, I got uh, I got called up, and then the first first day I was called up, I didn't get into the game, so the whole day I couldn't eat or anything. Then as soon as the game was over, I was able to crush uh, some dinner and then from the field, and then uh, went to hang out with my family and ate another dinner because I couldn't eat, and then there's like kind of like a the next day, was the same thing, restarted. Couldn't eat very much, and I was just waiting, waiting to get uh, the call for my name and finally got it, and uh, so that's what will have. There's,
4: there's one thing to have the dream, and there's another to realize the dream, which you got an opportunity to begin that that part of your journey last year. What did you learn about the major league experience for the first time for A.J. Park?
5: Uh yeah, I mean it's basically everything you thought of the whole year, your, your whole life, you know, just uh, just dreaming about it, what it's gonna be like, and you're finally here, and uh, you know, just want to stay here and just be healthy and just uh, help the team win.
4: What did you do this winter? What what was the program like for you?
5: Uh yeah, you know, basically uh, took probably you know a week or two off, if that, and just uh, just started getting back in the gym and started working on the things that you know I wanted to work on to help uh, you know. For uh, you know, create some health for the whole year, and just get my body feeling right, and you know, I'm feeling great. I'm happy where I'm at right now. AJ Puck, NHL fan, <laughs> Tampa Bay Lightning. What's that experience like? Because you lived uh, there in the off season. Uh, yeah, you know, I became a little bit of a hockey fan, uh, just going to the games there, and it's just uh, you know, I kind of have something nice to do in the off season. Just uh, just go there, relax, and just watch a game. How have you relied
4: on Mike Fires, Shamanaya? You know, Frankie, your teammates, your 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 brethren that are on the mound. How have you picked their brains? What have you learned? What have you used that you feel like is is helping you find your way?
5: Yeah, you know, I've always felt myself as you know, like more of a like a visual learner, I guess. You know, I kind of like to sit back. I kind of like I just watch the the you know the veterans how how they do, how they take care of themselves, and uh, just try to learn from that. And you know, all like all the like all the older guys on the team, everyone's great. The whole team's great. You know, if I have a question, uh, you know, everyone's. Uh, happy to help and it's just it's a good uh, atmosphere the
4: release point is difficult for the hitter because you come at three- quarters sometimes even a little below that you've got electric stuff you're 95 plus you've got a good breaking ball as well what you and every pitcher strives for is consistent command what's that process been like for you what are you what are you learning how do you feel you have improved in that area
5: uh, yeah you know I think it's all about just being able to repeat your delivery and know uh, over the years, that's one thing that uh, not necessarily struggled with, uh, but more just being consistent with it over and over. And uh, you know, that's what I just keep uh, working on to to this day. And just that's what I just want to be able to be consistent, just so that you know, uh Beaumont knows what he's gonna get out of me every time I go out there. Ever since you were drafted, first round by the Athletics at the University
4: of Florida, and once Jesus Lazardo was acquired from the Washington Nationals as a, as a prime prospect your names have been on the radar. And you've gradually both made your way through the system. You both have had some setbacks with injury. Yours more significant because of the Tommy John surgery. But now when people talk about the ace team that won 97 games and 18, won again in 19, and are expected to compete in 2020, A.J. Puck and Jesus Lazzardo's names are prime uh, considerations to get that done. How do you – how do you listen to that? How do you pay attention to it? How do you use that for motivation? What what does that, if anything, mean when you hear those kind of things?
5: Uh, yeah, you know, it means a lot. You know, that's what we all want to be. We want to be, you know, that guy on the team. Or, uh, you know, just that's that's what everyone drives. Uh, that keeps everyone working hard. To, you know, just be out there and have the team be able to rely on you. And, uh, you know, just what uh, I think just me and Lizardo, I think just relax and uh, just go out there and just, uh, you know, just try to do what we do and hope everything works out. How good is this team that, did, that you've watched – the great defense on the
4: infield, athletic in the outfield as well. You've got a young catcher in Sean Murphy who's going to get the kind of opportunities that every young player dreams about. What do you see inside your own clubhouse?
5: Uh, yeah, you know, it's kind of like that. Uh, that kind of like that first wave with you know Ole and uh, Chapman, all those guys that came up, and now we kind of have our young group coming up, and you know those guys, they all. They've done a great job to uh, put the A's with her out now, and that's all like our kind of young group wants to come up and do is just be able to contribute to that and just uh, keep it rolling. What have
4: the conversations been like with you and Scott Emerson, the A's pitching coach? You're a guy that, that can be intimidating, and you've got great stuff and still certainly learning your way in the major league level and the, the advice, the, the recommendations, the tips that he can give you that allows you to continue to grow.
5: Uh, yeah, you know, I think it's all aspects of the game from the mental side to, you know, just learn how to prepare for, uh, you know, your start each time and, uh, you know, learning how to, you know, thoroughly go over, like, a good scout report and uh, be able to take that information with you and use it on the field. I think that's one one part that I've always wanted to get better at, and I am just continue to get better at that, and it has uh, that's been helpful.
4: Can you go into this spring training? Look, there's focus on you. There's focus on Jesus and others as well. But can you go into spring training and just – work on my craft because two years ago you wowed everybody and there was an outside chance with good health that you might have made the club kind of out of nowhere and it seemed like you were you were showing people maybe a a little bit ahead of schedule in terms of where a guy is in spring training is it is it potentially a little bit different this year that I'm not saying that you just go in there you think you've got the teammate I'm not saying that's the case but but there's a difference between the guy that was in a big league camp in 2018, and the guy's gonna be in big league camp in 2020. Does that make sense?
5: Uh, yeah, you know, I think, uh, I mean, especially this year, uh, I mean, we got a whole bunch of, uh, you know, starring pitchers in the whole organization on uh, AAA and the big leagues, and I think it's just gonna be a good, uh, the spring training be a good competition to you know, go out there. I think everyone's, you know, just earn your spot, earn a role. And uh, I think it's gonna be exciting and fun. And I think good competition always brings the best out of everybody, and uh, it's gonna be a fun spring training.
4: Did you enjoy Fan Fest? Did you get uh, to interact yeah, yeah. with everybody.
5: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it was definitely it was definitely a good time being out here, coming down in Oakland, and just uh, just seeing all the support from the fans and know that you know they truly uh, you know they do have our backs, and it's, it's fun.
4: When do you get to when do you get to uh, spring training?
5: Uh, I'm heading out there probably the third and hang out for a week, and then uh, I think it starts at twelve. Yeah, report day, man. Get it wrong. I
4: look forward to seeing you down there. AJ, thank you for the visit. Congratulations and look forward to many
2: great things ahead for you. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Can't wait to watch a full year of Hayes Lu and AJ Puck. These two kids, really, really special. And our final guest, Martin Gallegos, join me at FanFest. Of course, Martin Gallegos covers the A's for MLB.com. Martin Gallegos from MLB.com joins us here. And uh this really kind of gets it going, huh? It's like it's, it's kind of getting real. It's getting real. As Jim Harbaugh once said, it's getting real, real, real fast.
0: Yeah, I know. It's a perfect scene, too. Look at the weather. The sun's out. I mean, it was a little cloudy the last week or so, so it's kind of like that signal. You know, spring training's right around the corner. So, obviously,
2: we read you on the Athletic Stage uh, website, and, you know, you're, you're always, you know, we're ranking this and looking at this, and, you know, the funny thing about this Fan Fest and we talked about it with David Forrest is if your only worry going into spring training is who's playing second base that means your team's pretty loaded
0: yeah there's really no holes I mean it's been like that all all uh you know off season everyone from the outside kind of looks at this team um you know not a lot of moves movement being made and they think you know you know what's gonna happen with this team but um, you know, there's not a, lot of, not a lot of holes that they need to address. So, like you mentioned, second base, maybe, maybe the bullpen, they get some veteran guys. But, I mean, up and down the lineup, starting rotation, you know, they, they got guys ready to go.
2: And then you take two players. You'd say Chris Davis. If Chris Davis can go back to being Chris Davis, that's like adding a major free agent. And then the other one that's really, Billy Breen brought this up to me, and I, I kind of forgot. You know, having Frankie Montas back for a full year. That's like adding a free agent hitter and a free agent pitcher.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, this this lineup, I mean, even with Chris Davis having a little bit of a down year last year was still, I think, one of the most potent offenses in baseball. So you get him back on track. I mean, they they could be, literally be the best lineup in baseball, and their pitching staff has the, the potential to be one of the best starting rotations in baseball, adding, you know, Montas coming back and then Luzardo and Puck moving in there. I mean, that's a, that's a dangerous starting five right there. That's average that's, that's stacked up there with the top in the league for sure.
2: And I see Chris Bassett because he's had options, and you do not want to lose him. Yeah. And there's there's 29 other teams that would like that arm right now. I just kind of sense, and they're not going to give us the game plan right now. I just kind of sense that we're going to be looking at. We're not going to say it's a six man rotation, but we know Huck and Lazardo. You're not going to wear them out early. You, you you want them to be raring to go in the postseason. So I could see six different guys getting starts, especially early in the season, and you know, kind of kind of saving Puck and Lozardo for down the stretch.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that for sure. With young guys like that, especially you know Lozardo and, and Puck having a little bit of you know arm issues last year. You definitely want to ease them back in, especially early on in the season. Bassett did a phenomenal job as a starter, and towards the end of the season, he showed he could be a back-end relief piece as well. So, I mean, he's a good weapon to have. He's just kind of a swing man. He could do it all. Um, I think think ultimately he could be a really good setup man, but, I mean, it's good to have him as an option in the rotation because you can never have too much starting pitching.
2: Yeah, I kind of wonder how – they won't tell us yet, but I'm kind of – what's the innings limit for puck and Lazardo? i'm very curious about that
0: yeah i mean you know early on they'll be careful i think um but i don't i don't know i don't know if there's a, a certain number that they want to hit i think maybe in the one you know you get to the 100 150 range then you start you know maybe uh taking a little bit of a closer look but You know, these guys, you know, they feel both feel healthy. You know, talking to both of them yesterday at a media event we had, um, they both feel like their arms have been built up to the point where, you know, they they don't have any restrictions on themselves. But, you know, as an organization, you want to take that cautionary approach with two guys with such, uh, you know, high standing in the organization like Puck and Lazardo, your top two prospects.
2: Yeah, we uh, got a chance to sit down with Jesus Lazardo yesterday, and there's just something really just something special when you, you're finally healthy again and you're not worrying about when you go out there to pitch, you're worrying about any type of injury, you're getting back. I mean, this is – Hazel Cesardo's coming in 100%. So is A.J. Puck. They're coming in 100% ready to go.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and it's excited. You could tell that the players themselves, you know, are excited to have these guys on board for a whole year because you saw a taste of it last year. And, and these guys came up and they pitched in big situations. They showed they weren't scared. They weren't uh, – You know, the moment wasn't too big for them. You saw Luzardo, what he did in the wild card game. Um, You know, these guys are going to play a prominent role in in helping this team. You know, if they're going to, you know, overtake the Astros and win the division and try to win a World Series, you know, it's going to be with these guys, you know, being part of a very strong starting rotation.
2: And I think people forget, if Frankie Montas doesn't get popped, there's a good chance he could have been starting the all-star game
0: yeah yeah very very well I mean he was he was having a Cy Young type season you know before before uh you know he got the suspension and um you know I think he's coming back to, with something to prove as well you know people kind of maybe doubting him a little bit after you know what transpired and um you know he the stuff he showed was you know top of the line stuff and I think um you know he figured something out last spring you know adding another pitch to his repertoire um I think you know, having him for a full season as well—I mean, you, you can't ask for more.
2: The great Joe Hughes is here, ladies and gentlemen, who you'll be hearing uh, later on this year on A's Cast Live and also pre and post. Um, you know, when I—the I, one word that I—I I think the last two days being around all these players—the one word that that I come uh, come away with is confidence. There is this extreme confidence right now in this group.
0: Yeah. For sure. I mean, especially after back to back 97 win seasons, um, you know, they've had that confidence really, you know, since the first before they won the first 97 win uh, campaign, they had this type of confidence. It always seems to be that way. You know, Bob Melvin is a great manager and he, and he gets, you know, that instilled in them in spring training early on that, you know, you guys can compete with these, you know, other, uh, you know, big market teams with the high payrolls, you know, just because you don't have that big number doesn't mean you're not as good as them. I think that it starts with that. And, you know, the A's do a good job of finding these guys, you know, whether it's through the draft, through trade, through free agency, I mean, they, they find these guys that teams seem to overlook. Um, and I see some of these guys on the wall, like Ramon Laureano and these guys, you know, they, they find these guys and turn them into really good ball players.
2: You know, I think about what's going on with the Houston Astros and, you know, basically the A's for the most part have taken the high road. Bob Melvin did get a shot uh, on them when we were hosting the panel up there, but, I guess, and I I haven't seen this, but my producer, Commander Cody, says down at Dodgers Fan Fest, they are all over it. They are hammering the Astros. It kind of just kind of gives you an idea of what this season is going to be like for them as fans, media, everywhere they go, people are going to be all over them.
0: Yeah, that cloud's going to be everywhere, and it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. I mean, at some point, you know, it starts to, you know, they can say all they want about it not being a distraction, but I mean... Um, it can only take so much you know every day day in and day out, you have you know millions of reporters coming in asking you about you know what happened. Maybe some doubt starts to creep into your own head, so um, it would be interesting to see how they handle that, but definitely, I think um the As feel like that's something that they can use to their advantage. They already feel like they 're pretty close to the Astros in terms of talent and in terms of you know their chances to win a division, so this can only help them for sure
2: i can 't tell you how much i 'm looking forward to the every single time they match up because because there's just the, the animosity is going be there. You're going to throw in the Mike Fires thing. Yeah. A's Astros
0: this year is going to be awesome. It's going to, be a, it's going to turn to a major – I mean, it's already somewhat of a big rivalry now. You, you know, it just goes up a notch with all that stuff. Um, when they go to Houston, when Houston comes into Oakland, I'm sure the Coliseum's going to be a little bit extra amped up for those games. It always seems to be that way. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to, to see, uh, see what goes down between those two ball clubs.
2: Yeah, and I just the rest of the division – I just, the pitching for the Angels, I don't see it. I don't know how they're going to get 27 outs. Yeah. Seattle's in full re- rebuild mode. And, you know, t- Texas, I think, going into a new ballpark, they've been very underwhelming this offseason.
0: Yeah, you know, the Angels in Texas, you know, did get better. I think um, Texas kind of sneakily, they've got a pretty good rotation, I think, Um but, yeah, you look at, you look at uh, you know, the way things stand right now in terms of rosters, I think, you know, you're looking at the Astros and the A's. Those two teams are really close right now in terms of, you know, who who's the top of this division. Um, you know, if you had to project things right now, I think, like you said, the Angels, the pitching is always an issue, and I don't think they really, you know, they tried to get Garrett Cole, and he ends up leaving the division, which is good for the A's. Um, but, you know, you look at the Astros and A's and, and everyone else, I think, right now.
2: You know, the American League just changed dramatically with this whole scandal. When you start firing managers, you start firing a GM, as you mentioned, chaos around Houston. It's going to be tough. They're still going to be good. They're going to win a lot of games, but will they be as good? And then I think about, you know, is this the time when the Boston Red Sox are going to punt, where they don't have a manager? They're talking about trading Mookie Betts. I mean, the American League could get a little bit easier after all the things that have
0: happened. Yeah, it could get, it could get a little bit more open. You know, the Yankees are seem to be up to their old uh, evil empire ways again with their big moves. But, um, you know, I mean, the A's are right up there. I mean, they've shown it the last two years, 97 wins. That's not easy to do. Uh, you don't luck into 97 wins. They've done it twice. And they seem to think they have a better club this year than they did last year. And I, I tend to agree with that. I mean, you're going to have a full year, like you mentioned, of those young guys, Sean Murphy, Jesus Lazardo, A.J. Puck. Um, you know a healthy, you know Matt Olson and Ramon Laureano, who dealt with injuries as well last year. I mean, you get these guys healthy. Um, you know, there's no telling they could win more than 97 games the way they the way they played last year.
2: Yeah, you can make an argument for just about everybody in the outfield to start. There's only three positions for the five guys. I mean, depth really all over the place for the athletics.
0: Yeah, and, you know, that's a, that's a good thing to have. Like like Bob Melvin always says in spring training, I mean, you can never have too much of anything. I mean, these guys, you know, are at some point are going to have to step in, whether it's because of injury or, or maybe underperformance or something. Um, it's always going to be, you know, an opportunity for the next guy up. And they have plenty of people all around the field that they feel comfortable slotting in there if they need, if they need somebody to, to fill in that role.
2: If you had to bet right now, we got a long way to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pitchers and catchers haven't <laughs> reported yet. But if you had to bet right now who's going to be the starting second baseman on opening day, who would you bet?
0: That's, I think Franklin Barreto is going to get that shot to play uh, on a somewhat everyday basis, but I think there will be maybe a platoon type there. Maybe you get Tony Kemp and uh, Barreto as a lefty-righty type of matchup, but I think you're going to see Barreto.
2: Mateo's out of options.
0: That's, yeah, it's going to be a tough situation. They're going to have to make a tough decision on somebody. You know, even with the, with the extra uh, 26 man, it still doesn't get any easier when you have all those guys at second base grouped up, all the outfielders that you have. There's going to be a, at least one or two tough decisions that they have to make at spring training. There might be a, a guy who maybe performs really well, but there's just no spot, so maybe they make a trade or something like that.
2: Ideally for this 26 guy on the roster, what does he look like to you?
0: I think it's a, I mean, the A's always like these versatile guys who can play so many positions. So I think it's definitely a guy who, you know, like a Tony Kemp or like a uh, Rule 5 guy that they got V Vimeo Machine who can play, you know, all around the infield, can play some outfield as well. A guy who can fill in different spots and a left-handed bat as well, I think, because they're so right-handed heavy. Um, they need to bring a little bit of balance to that. You know, it, it's, it's worked for them, uh, you know, having so many, um, you know, right-handers. But, um, you know, they do need a little bit more, more uh, balance there.
2: Yeah, that's something that you definitely when you look at the roster, it's I'm not going to say a desperate need, but it is a need. You got you, you got to get another left-handed stick in there.
0: Yeah, and I think um I think you'll see it as well. Maybe it's not going to be like a high-profile guy, but they're going to bring in some veteran type guys maybe on on cheaper contracts or non-roster deals, minor league deals. You know, guys who there's always guys out there who remaining, you know, who you know bring a good track record who you know the as could maybe find a way to kind of get a little bit more juice out of them. They always seem to find those type of guys, and they'll try to do it this spring, I'm sure
2: yeah, no doubt about it, but that's how you play that twenty sixth man i I've been joking if the guy could catch and and then play in the field, he'd be like the ultimate. you're always going to have a job if you could be that guy,
0: oh, yeah, definitely, for sure
2: because you're always talking about yeah. having a third catcher, if you could find a guy. I mean, I don't want to use Craig Biggio as an example because he's a Hall of Famer. (laughs) But if you could find a guy that legitimately could catch and, I don't know, play infield, outfield. Yeah,
0: Steven Boat, one of those type of guys, yeah.
2: How do you think this uh, three-batter minimum is going to work?
0: You know, it's interesting. I mean, the ace certainly, uh, you know, did a good job of, uh, you know, preparing for that. You know, Ryan Buchter, you know, is is no longer here, but they went out and got um, TJ McFarland, and they've got – you know, Jake Diekman, who are two guys who not only can get lefties out, but they feel like they get righties out as well. Um, so um, I think the A's are set up for it. You know, it's going to be interesting to see around baseball. I mean, it, it's it's tough for these lefty guys who are lefty specialists to see, you know, what's going to happen to them. Um, but uh, They're done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, cr- um, <laughs> but, but the A's themselves are, I think, positioned well to, to handle that pretty well. I don't think it will be an issue for them.
2: So, we got any special travel uh, going on before you get on the beat in spring training?
0: I uh, think I'll just I'll stay local in the Bay Area. Watch the Super Bowl. Um, you know, 49ers are in it, so, you know, a little bit extra there. We'll see.
2: It's going to be a good Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. Because uh, Kansas City's legit, Mahomes is yeah. incredible.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm biased. I'm hoping the 49ers can win it, but uh, it's not going to be easy. Mahomes, like you said, he's incredible, man.
2: Well, it was an all fan fest A's edition of A's Unfiltered. We want to thank Bob Melvin. We want to thank Liam Hendricks. We want to thank A.J. Puck and Martin Gallegos. That'll do it for A's Unfiltered. Now we send you back to A's Cast powered by TuneIn.
4: This has been a presentation
3: of the Oakland Athletics.